where I have been uh, Alright, you're live. And then I guess just in between your first two buttons. You know the ordeal, I'm sure. And then just on your pocket. Thanks, man. Yeah, Appreciate yeah. it. And so there's two different, there's the stapled and the unstapled. I need one of each. Awesome. Stapled and unstapled. Yeah. Okay, got it. How are you, Miss Nancy? I'm good. How are you? Doing great. Did Tommy come today? Yes, he's here somewhere. I have not seen him, but I do know he is here. I'm sure he's here somewhere around. He's been. I saw him last week at the convention because he was up there for the meeting. So. Yeah, we came separately. Hey, man. I live in Charlotte. Yeah, sure. That's right. Go one way to go the other. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Come on in, Zach. What's that? Oh. Well, it was full, but I don't know if everybody will show up. We'll take so. a chance, and if somebody else needs a seat, I'll. Pass All along. Right. All Chase. Brian, Good to see you in person. Good to meet you as well. Yeah. I was just telling Alex, I said, I know so many yeah. of you from afar. Right. I don't know you face to face. Well, thanks for being here today. Yeah, well, I'm excited to hear from you yeah, too. I appreciate I'll all you do. Convenient yeah. to be in the same place. It's great, man. It's great. All right. Hey, everybody. We're about to get started. Um, going to give about 30 seconds for others to kind of wander in here and then we'll dive in. I'm going to close the doors to start, but it's going to get hot. So once the traffic moves, I'll open them back up. So, so yeah. Sorry to get you off your call, brother. No, no, no. I'm glad I needed to. Thanks. Thanks, Ethan. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. <clears throat> All right. I'm Brian, um, and I'll be your waiter uh, today. Uh, now, you've already had lunch, right? So they say the hardest, the hardest slot to teach is right after a lot of carbs when they put you in a warm room. That's where you never want to be placed. So I put myself in this spot because I have the sympathy for the other breakout leaders. So we'll try to keep you awake a little bit today. Um, we're going to talk about uh, visionary planning today. And so the, the material we're going to be using actually comes from the book God Dreams uh, by Will Mancini. So we have some future church books out here um, that we gave away last year. We had some left over. And so if they're still out there, feel free to pick one of those up. Um, Dave, Dave and Will have become good partners in ministry for us with North Carolina Baptists. They're doing some things with our, some of our associations around the state. 
as well as just been investing in, in some of us through coaching and ministry for quite some time. And so um, we, have, we have found there are, there are a lot of processes. Come on in, man. A lot of processes for vision, a lot of processes for strategic planning, a lot of long-range planning uh, processes around. But the, the one that is in this suite of material from, from a book that uh, Will Mancini wrote about, uh, about 10 years ago now, 10 or 15 years ago now, called Church Unique, that material has become <clears throat> some that has gotten traction. So um, there, are, there are a lot of ways, come on in, there are a lot of ways to think about vision and planning. I have found this to be the, the most helpful for me. And so we're gonna talk about why, why some of this material is useful. Um, today is going to be more just kind of flyover introductory stuff. I've got some information on a handout. I'll tell you about some of the other things that we offer at the state convention to help churches in this realm. But, but I want to take you back to uh, the year was 1998. Okay, 1998. Uh, anybody remember 98 besides me? Brother Ken, do you remember 1998? I think so. Okay. Um, well, I had moved. I had moved in 1997 uh, to New Orleans, Louisiana, uh, to start in seminary. I'd actually started an extension center. I was teaching middle school band in South Georgia, and I loved it. Um, taught taught sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. I had <clears throat> I had a great situation there. It was a godly uh, community, Christian community in South Georgia. Um, my, my mentor was the high school band director. He was a, a Christian. In fact, when I went to teach, I, I was actually wrestling right then with a call to ministry and to go to seminary. And um, I was coming out, of, coming out of college thinking, should I go to seminary? Should I teach? What should I do? I love music. I love teaching band, but just wasn't sure. And I went and I said to the, to the man, Mr. David, Joe David was his name. I said, Mr. David, I don't know. I'm, I'm here I'll be honest with you, I, I may just be here to get experience with an interview because I really am wrestling with a call to, to ministry. I don't know what the Lord wants me to do. And he said, well, son, I'll just tell you this. You can preach a lot more to a lot different people from a band podium than you can from a pulpit. He said, I have, I've been in ministry for over 30 years, even though I've never been on a church staff. He said, this is my ministry. And so if you want to come here, you can live out a calling doing this. And so we talked more about Jesus than we did about music in my interview. And I ended up there for four years, but the Lord did lead me to want to do full-time Christian ministry, paid holy person stuff, you know, uh, whatever you want to call that. <clears throat> and because um, it's all ministry, right? So, but, but I started in New Orleans, started in an extension center in South Georgia. Then Brandy and I, my wife, we moved to New Orleans. And um, I started on church staff. Uh, with a pastor whose name was Hiram Campbell. Dr. Campbell had been at the church for 32 years, same church. And Dr. Campbell retired when I got there. He said, if this is what ministry's come to, no, he, he didn't really say it. <laughs> he might have thought it, but he didn't say it, right? Um, but, but he retired about eight months after I came. And he actually told us when I, when I came on staff, he said, now look, I'm retiring. You know, this is the plan. I've been at this church for 32 years, and when, it, when, when you ride the tiger, it's difficult to dismount. That was his saying uh, from, from Truman. So he left, and then we found ourselves with an interim music minister, an interim pastor, 
And I was part-time youth minister, but I was the only guy that didn't have interim in front of my name. And the deacons, when Dr. Campbell was there, and some of you pastors that are seasoned pastors that have been in a place for a long time, you, 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 you find, you may, hopefully you've had the favor Dr. Campbell had. And I thought this was awesome. I'd go into deacons meetings with Dr. Campbell, and the deacons would put an issue on the table, and they'd go all around the room, and Dr. Campbell would always sit right where this brother's sitting in the room, and they'd, they'd, they'd talk about it, and he'd let them talk for 15, 20 minutes about an issue. And then the chairman of the deacons would say, well, Dr. Campbell, what do you think? And he would say, well, brothers, y'all are the deacons. You can, you can decide what you want to do, but here's what I think we should do. And they'd say, that sounds good, all in favor, and that was it. <laughs> Amen. And I thought, man, this is, this is pretty cool. <laughs> so, so Dr. Campbell retired. And... Um, Nature and churches both hate a vacuum. Um, and so then it became, there was no king in Israel and people wanted to do what was right in their own eyes, so to speak. And so the deacons meetings went from 30 minutes to three hours and discussions became just everybody's different. What are, what are we going to do? So Dr. Kim was an awesome pastor and leader. Don't misunderstand me. But there was no long range plan for the church beyond his tenure. Um, there was no, uh, and he had, he had served faithfully and well and preached the gospel and saw many people saved, but he had decided that he, when he was done, he was done, and that was it. Now, Dr. Ken Jones is in the room. He helps us around the state with interim, intentional interim ministry to think about not having that situation. So if, if we had had somebody like Brother Ken around, maybe we had ha could have had a, maybe a smoother transition from, from a pastor for 32 years to no pastor. But we didn't. And so Deacon's meetings got longer and there was a big vacuum. And I'm getting to what we're coming to, so just hang with me for another minute. There was a piece of property for sale right next to the church. Um, it was a house. It was on like very small piece of land. And it was the, the nice, nobody had lived there for like 20 years. It was a rundown piece of property. And it, it kind of felt to me, as a young guy, I didn't know all the mechanics, but it just seemed to me like somebody was looking for a good tax write-off to get rid of this piece of property that may or may not have been useful to the church. Well, when somebody wants to give something to the church, what's often the, what's often the response? Yes. Yes. Whatever it is, you know, if it's a van that's running on two cylinders, if it's, you know, whatever it is, if somebody's going to give us something... Uh, we have a bias to want to say yes, they're being generous, okay? <clears throat> well, somewhere along the way, one of the men that was a deacon who had, was actually actually an entrepreneur, he was a president of a, of a dredging company in New Orleans, he, he just said, hey, he just said to me, he said, hey, aren't you in seminary? I thought, yes, sir. He said, aren't you doing any classes like that help us on purpose and mission and all that? He said, because I think before we make a decision on this piece of property, we ought to figure out what our purpose is. And, and I thought, man, what a great idea. And honestly, I mean, I had had intuitions that, you know, when decisions came up, it was uncomfortable because I, I, I thought I knew what was the right decision, but I hadn't really thought of it in the terms he put it. He said this, he said, Brian, unless we're very clear on what we're doing, we're going to say yes to everything. And if we say yes to everything, we're not going to be good at anything. 
And so this brother who loved the Lord but was a shrewd and savvy leader and businessman, humble servant of God, <clears throat> I was 27, he was 47. He said basically, you lead us in figuring out how to have a vision for this church. And I, I was not equipped, to be honest with you. But we stumbled through some tools that were available at the time. We read books like Purpose Driven Church, which was very popular in the 90s and things. And we figured out how to articulate a good purpose for our church. And that helped us make decisions like the land. And we did not buy that piece, of, or we did not accept that piece of property uh, as a donation because of that step. But here's the, here's the thing that sticks with me from that. And it wasn't the model. It wasn't the way we went about it. It was the fact that somebody said, we need to figure out how to focus what we're doing. And so we're going to talk about visionary planning for the next uh, few minutes. Uh, we're going to talk about this thing called the vision frame, which is a very simple tool uh, that uh, we can unpack in just a few minutes to kind of give you an idea of how things work together. Why I love this is because it takes many different concepts that we learn in church organization and it puts them into one package that's easy for your church membership to understand and I'll show you how in a minute. So you've got some blanks to fill in. I'll email you the answers later if you want to, if you're, if you're worried about it, if you're one of those people that's, oh you need a handout? There you go. Anybody else? There you go. There you go. Anybody else need anything? Okay, um, so there's a few blanks, 10 blanks to fill in. That's the only blanks you have to fill in. Just these 10, everything else will be on the sheets for you. Uh, but, but here are some of the biggest vision planning problems in the church today. Um, number one is you craft a vision statement, but it's not meaningful enough to talk about after it's been written. Okay, so again, I bear the marks on my body of long long-range planning, vision planning meetings where we work hard and a committee crafts a statement. And you know what it looks like when a committee crafts a statement? It looks like a committee crafted the statement, right? And it's long and we wrestle over which, which preposition is the right one. Is it in or through? Which, which should we use? Should we say in or through? So we, 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 we work on it like we're exegeting Colossians. I mean, we just, we really try to get every word just right. And we, we wordsmith something, but we were so focused on the words, we haven't stopped to consider what do those words mean? What is the real meaning? What, it, can, I, can I have a compelling vision statement that gives me energy to talk to you about it? Uh, if somebody, if, if I came up to you and you didn't know I was in ministry, we didn't know each other, and we met at a restaurant, and I said, man, nice to meet you, and you started talking about your church, I said, man, tell me the vision for your church. Could you give it to me in such a way that you saw the meaning in that statement? Or would it be, hey, hold on a second, let me get out my business card and look on the back and I'll read it to you. Is it compelling? Is it a compelling, meaningful vision statement? Number two, you articulate your vision <clears throat> without defining the time frames involved. Without defining the time frames involved. And so a lot of people are very good dreamers. I mean, and, and many pastors are very gifted at dreaming. They have this clear in their head picture of where they're going. Um, but there may not be time frames put on it. Is it time sensitive stuff? I mean, 
You know, is it going to take you three years? Do you, would you like to see the Lord do this in three years or five years or tomorrow? What is the time frame around the vision? And number three, <clears throat> when you do create goals, you create too many and try to do too much. Okay? Um, and so there again, especially for churches that have a lot of leaders in the room, a lot of stakeholders in different ministries, um, whether it's a larger church staff or whether it's lay leaders that are like a church council. There's a lot of people that are thinking about goals to implement, and we end up with so many things that we don't have enough or we don't have enough bandwidth to do the things we've talked about. We create too many, so we try to do too much. Um, I did this personally one year. A few years ago, I, I got into the kind of the personal life development stuff, and I, I ordered a course online. I did something I never, I never do. But I got sucked in. Uh, it was midlife crisis kind of time. Uh, and uh, I got sucked into one of these life planning classes. And I said for Christmas, I told Brandy, hey, I just want this class. It's going to be more than we normally spend. So I paid uh, $250 or something for this online life planning thing. And I worked it, man. I was serious about it. I took the week between Christmas and New Year's, and I studied the stuff. And I came out with about 25 goals to implement over the next year in my life. How do you think that worked for me? Yeah. That was $10 a goal down, down the tubes. <clears throat> okay? Um, uh, but I didn't accomplish any of that. I was just too diluted. I had too much stuff on the piece of paper. Number four, people who like to dream and people who like to execute are rarely on the same page. Okay? There are, in your church, on your leadership team, and, and by the way, when I say leadership team, um, I'm talking about whether it's staff or whether it's a small membership church with a single staff or bivocational pastor who has lay leaders. Whatever your situation, you should have a leadership team. Okay? If you're by yourself, Think of Moses in Exodus 18. Moses' father-in-law Jethro says to him, because Moses is trying to do everything, one of the most profound statements in all of Scripture, what you are doing is not good. You have to have a team. Okay? But probably everybody on the team will not be wired the same. In fact, let me say definitely, everyone on the team will not be wired the same. You'll have picture people and you'll have planning people. You'll have dreamers and you'll have designers. You'll have those who want to think about the vision and can think in pictures and you'll have doers that want to just get it done. And they're like, why are we still talking about this? Let's activate. And there's others that want to, you know, ready, aim, aim, aim. And there's others that want to say ready, fire, aim. And some that say, well, no ready at all. Let's just fire. I mean, you've got all of those. And so a lot of vision, what'd you say? Steady. Yeah, fire, aim, steady. That's right. Or just fire, right? And then we'll paint a bullseye around the barn, right? Yeah. Wherever the bullet hit and say we hit the target, right? Um, so people dream, people execute. We can, we can, there is a way to get them on the same page. Number five, people don't see the vision as pertinent to their ministry area. So here's the, here's the other danger. One danger is getting everybody in the room and everybody's got their own way to go. The other danger is the pastor sets the vision corporately for the adults of the church and the youth minister says that looks good for them. We're going to just do our thing. Or that's fine for you, but I'm over here with the music ministry and we're not really going to change anything. Now, they wouldn't say that out loud because they're too polite. But in their mind, they're thinking, there he goes again. Let him go. 
this too shall pass, we'll just stay in our lane over here. It's not a vision that everyone, every ministry of the church comes around. Okay? Uh, number six, the planning tool. The planning tool is so complicated that people, that few people would really want to revisit it. Um, and I know churches, brothers and sisters, um, I've never been privileged to serve one at this level, but I know churches that pay tens of thousands of dollars mm -hmm. to have a consultant come in and help them with an elaborate plan that's so detailed and so complicated, and they get a two and a half inch three ring binder with everything in it, and it's so complicated, it's kind of like me on Christmas Day with my own planning process. There's so much and so complicated, they never want to revisit it because they, they haven't been taught how to do it on their own. They need the outside, the strategic outsider to come help them interpret it all. It's the expert has left and the expertise left with them. Instead of really equipping the leadership to do this. Okay, number seven. A vision rarely creates an exciting organizational focus. Now, I know if you're a visionary leader, you get excited about the vision that God's given you. The question is, can others in the organization get excited about your vision? Do you have a way to articulate it that is exciting and clear so that the whole focus of the organization is, yes, this is, what we're, this is where we're going. Yes, I believe in this vision. Yes, this is of God. Clearly, this is the Lord's calling on our church's mission and vision. This is our direction. And number eight. Number eight, the plan is too rigid and can't account for changes in ministry. And so there are times like, oh, I don't know, March of 2020. Um, hey, brother. March of 2020 when something like, oh, I don't know, a global pandemic comes along <laughs> and, and everything you had as your vision is not nimble. It's not nimble enough to, 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 to flex. And so that, you know, it's kind of like Mike Tyson said, you know, Every, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. Um, and when, the, when, the, when you get hit, how can you adapt? Um, most of our, many of our plans are just so rigid we can't. And once something happens, they're gone. Uh, the planning events happen randomly, not rhythmically, with little follow-up. That's going to become important um, by the end of our time. Get this. A lot of times with visionary planning, the planning is not intentional or methodical or rhythmic, we would say. It's random. And so um, sometimes it's seasonal. We kind of get this instinct in us. Oh, no, it's, it's almost August. So we ought to have a plan for how we're going to train our leaders. It's, it's almost the start. School's about to get back. When are we going to promote? Do we have a plan? Or it's about January. I guess it's time for us. Um, in fact, one church called me once, not picking on this church. It's going to be a little funny, I think, but I'm not picking, I promise, because this is pretty common. I had a, I had a, person, a leader from a church call me and say, Brian, um, this was 2013. I remember the date for a reason. The, the leader said, Brian, it's, it's, uh, it's time for us to do our long-range planning. I said, awesome. How can I help you with that? He said, well, we did a 10-year growth plan in 2010, in 2000. We did a 10-year growth plan in 2000. And we figured since it expired three years ago, we probably ought to do another one. Okay? Uh, 
And, but that's the way that, listen, that's the way we think often. We, ought to ha we know we should have this, but we're not sure if it's really intentional or rhythmic or is there going to be follow-up to it. And in fact, the truth with this church was, I said, well, tell me about that 10-year plan. Well, we started working on it the first couple of years, and then I just know we had one, and somebody brought up that we needed another one. So there was an intentional follow-up along the way. Number 10, 10 and last. People can resist being accountable for goals. If we, if we don't do a good job of clearly painting what is the vision, not just the vision, but what is the plan, uh, what, what are they going to do? How, how do we hold them accountable? We can still all do what's right in our own eyes. And so very, very often churches will actually articulate something on paper, but nothing really changes in the way church is done. It's a flower, flowery, flowery language, I'll get it right in a minute, that sits on the wall, but it doesn't change what goes on down the hall. And so uh, I want us to think a little differently today. So uh, those 10 plans, nudge your neighbor, make sure the carbs had not kicked in and the heat. I'm about to open these doors while y'all discuss. Nudge your neighbor and just say, which of those 10 uh, is the most... Um, the most pressing for you right now? Which of these 10 is the most pressing for you or which do you see the most yourself? Mercy. All of the above. That's good. What'd you say? What'd you hear? Yeah. Which ones? Which ones stood out to you? I heard all of the above. Yeah. Yes, brother. <laughs> Number two. We had a time frame. I thought. Right. Three to five years. Right. Training and preparation, then going to building phase. But like friend Zach, we were just talking. Man, that just shut everything. Yeah. So, so you got into a vision. You thought you had a time frame, but it really ended up being longer than you than you had planned on. Okay. Good. And sure, COVID's 
kind of perpetuated some of that. Yeah. Right. Somebody else? Number Which one? 10. Number 10? Yeah. I'm an AMS, and so we sat down a couple years ago, got all the plans and goals and stuff talked about. But then with pastors and, and lay leaders that are working in their churches, they've got so many other things to do. Right. If I didn't articulate real clearly what we expected. Right. Then it was easy for them to. Yeah. Yeah, it becomes the one among many things instead of the the one thing, right? Okay, that's great. Somebody else? I think number eight, the rigidity. Too rigid? Yeah, but but not so much the plan being too rigid as the people the people around the plan being too rigid. Yeah. You know, we have to, we've got to set this, what we have to do this, we have to do this, we have to do this, and COVID changed everything. Right, And right. not having the ability to flex and move with that to change the plan. Yeah, so there's some binding beyond just the plan being rigid, the people expectations kind of tradition all of those things that kind of we're you know we're all little legalists in a lot of ways that's our sin nature we, we either run to rules or we run to liberty legalism or, or license you know one of those two extremes and we in the baptist world seem to be really good at the legalism side that's another that's another breakout though yeah zach uh, for me a big one is number nine just being totally honest because every now and then like you said a bug will hit me it's like oh man I'm ready to plan. I'm, I'm right. see this, and then a week two later, all I had all these things pop up. These visits, the sermon prep. The, right. Oh, oh, what were we working on again? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's just so easy to yeah. let it. And so the tyranny of the urgent takes over, right? And there's always Sunday's always coming for y'all. I mean, there is always. I mean, as soon as you get up on Monday morning, it's time to think of it again, right? And it's. If there's not something that's a larger piece that you can hang sermon planning, ministry preparation, uh, calendaring, budgeting, if there's not a larger piece you can hang all of those pieces on, it can become very frantic and feel very random and complicated. And, and frankly, I, here, here's, here's, this isn't in the notes, so I'm just going off script here. I think a lot of ministers, while they're burnt out, they're also bored. There's some there's some burnout and there's some boredom. Both both are true, and 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 I think a lot of the cause of that there there's certainly a lot of different factors. So I'm not giving you the one cure all for everything, but I think a factor is if we don't have something that's a larger vision in our own heads and a plan that our church is going along with us on. Uh, if there's no vision, we're going to get bored as leaders or we're going to struggle, and that's going to lead to burnout of doing the things that don't, see, don't feel like there's value. We're not contributing to the bigger. Um, and, you know, again, story after story, I could tell you, but you know, sitting across the table from a pastor who talks about all that he is doing, and none of it's what he felt called to do. He's become a program manager. He's become a scheduler. He's become an announcement maker. He's expected to keep the sermon within a certain boundary, and he's expected to do all of these other things for the church. And he just said, I'm, I was called to make disciples, and I don't feel like any of this is freeing me to make disciples. Well, let's be honest. All those other things have to get done, right? It's not like those things just go away, or they're, they're not bad things. It's kind of like Dave said this morning. They might not be inaccurate. They're just inadequate. And so if we have a larger vision and plan, that can give us energy to do the small things we have to do, knowing that there's a greater purpose in mind. Okay, so let me introduce you to this tool called the vision frame. We're going to spend a lot of time 
in the middle of the frame, but I want to give you the outside of the frame because because it's kind of like, um, well, I'm not an artist, so I do play music, so I guess I'm musically inclined. I'm not, visual arts aren't me. But here's what I understand. If someone is painting a picture, like I've watched Bob Ross on TV, okay? So you get the canvas, right? You get the canvas and you've got all the colors and all of that, but that canvas isn't just wrinkled up and just, just kind of out there. What's the canvas stretched over? Frame. frame. A frame, right? And the way I understand it with art, and again, I'm not a painter, but the way I understand it is the, the better, the, the stronger the frame is, the tighter I can stretch the canvas around the frame. And so if my frame is really tight, I can paint a clearer and prettier picture on the canvas. If the canvas is all rough, ruffled or wrinkled or, or flexes, I'm not going to be able to be as precise with the picture I paint. Same way here, the vision frame frames up the picture that we're going to see what is God's preferred future for our church. And so the next page there on your handout after the blanks has the overview of this frame. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through this pretty quick, but you've got it all there. And because Friendly Avenue, and I did not pick this room. This room was assigned to me. But because Friendly Avenue is a church that has used these tools, behold, on the walls behind you, we have a living illustration of this, this tool we're going to talk about. So a lot of times I do this kind of presentation, and they say, yeah, Upshaw, that's great, but tell me about a church that's using this stuff. Here we are. So, so thank you, Daniel Dickard and Friendly Avenue for leading this breakout today. Um, so here we go. Mission. The mission, mission answers the question, what are we doing? What are we doing? And now, let me just uh, pause for a second and tell you that just like you, I read many books. If you went to seminary or read a lot of planning books, you probably read different books that had different, different definitions of mission, vision, purpose, okay? Just know this is the way we're using the definitions. We can debate later if one's one or the other. This is how we use them, all right? Mission is what are we doing? What is it that we're doing? Every church's mission should be some iteration of the Great Commission. If your mission is not, uh, your, is not the Great Commission worded for your time and place, you may need to reconsider whether you're a church. The mission must be Great Commission mission. And so Friendly Avenue's what are we doing question is Friendly Avenue Church exists to bring all people into the joy of a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, the, the bold declaration is, I believe every church has a unique mission from God. That doesn't mean that it's not the same mission, but it means it's unique for your time and place. Your context is different. And so there's a way to word your mission that takes the Great Commission and brings it to life for your time and place. Okay? Um, we can unpack that again over coffee later. You can email me questions about that and we can talk about it. But the question is, what, we're do what are we doing? And the symbol we use is a compass. It's a symbol that kind of points to direction. It's what are we doing? What are we doing? This it's the bellwether. Values, values answers the question, why? Why are we doing this? So why do we do what we do? Uh, we use the symbol of a, f a fire here. And so it's kind of this idea, there's a compass in my hand. 
there's a there's or a compass in my head excuse me there's a compass in my head i know what i'm doing there's a fire in my heart i know why i'm doing what i'm doing a compass in my head a fire in my heart then strategy answers the question okay what are we doing why are we doing it answers the question how how are we going to get that done and the the symbol we use for that is a flashlight it's a flashlight to talk about steps a strategy we often talk about the fact that most churches don't have a strategy most churches think they have a strategy they don't have a strategy they have a menu they have a menu and not a map uh, have you ever been to the cheesecake factory yeah, no, there's not one in West Jefferson, Brother King? All right. Uh, but there's the Ash County Cheese Factory. Yeah. So, uh, Friendly, uh, Friendly Avenue. I'm at Friendly Avenue. Cheesecake Factory's menus are like what? They're like this thick, right? And they've got how much stuff, man? you got to go through the first 20 pages before you get to the cheesecake. <laughs> right? They serve everything under the sun. They, they've really tried to be all things to all people with their menu. Sometimes, if you look at your church's bulletin, though it's not as thick, it's kind of like Cheesecake Factory. There's a whole lot on the menu because whoever wants to add something, just add something. A map, how is a map different from a menu? This audience participation portion of the show. One destination. One destination, yeah. all right. How else is a map different than a menu? Gives you directions. What do I get to do with a menu? Choose. I get to choose, right? And anything I want, really, on the menu. If, if my wife says it fits my diet and my wallet says it fits my budget. I can pick anything on the menu, right? But a map, a map might have a couple of different routes, but there's one destination. And a map also, if you're using it on the GPS, when I plug it into my GPS and my truck, it says... Here's the next step. Turn right. Turn left. Go two miles. Turn right. There's steps to take. A map gives you the next step on the journey. Okay? And then the, la then the last is measures. And measures, by the way, this is the secret sauce for me of this vision frame. The, 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 the measures ask... <coughs> help us to answer the question when are we successful when are we successful so how do I know how do I know when I'm successful and we use a bullseye a bullseye for that so the you know a, a compass in my head a flame in my heart a flashlight in my hand to light the path and a bullseye on the wall I don't know what I'm measuring. Here's the key with the measures, though. The measures are not just for the church at large. They're measures for the individual disciple. So what are our traditional measures? Any, anybody, church growth gurus in here, what are traditional measures? Yeah, the three Bs, right? Buildings, bodies, and budgets. Or nickels, noses. With the technology now, we're talking about viewership. Oh, yeah, man. We can get real excited about that, right? I had th a thousand viewers for one second of my video. I reached 3,500 people. I reached them as they scrolled through. Right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. But how does the individual disciple, 
at your church know when they're successful? How do they know? What is the measure that says, I know as a dad, as a husband, as a Christ follower, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Because Dave painted a good picture this morning of this false finish line, right? We've, we've, we've unintentionally communicated that the measures are come to worship, get in a small group, and serve somewhere. And if you're doing that, you're good. That's a false finish line for our disciples, the disciples of Jesus in our church. Measures suggest things like, uh, right behind you, brother, on that, on that poster, down at the bottom are personal measures. And so he says, our desire is to produce disciples who, and they use marks, which is from uh, Robbie Gallaty stuff, missional, missional, I'm a missional disciple, I'm accountable, I'm relational, or reproducible, reproducible communal, and scriptural. Okay, so they use a, an acrostic for that. That's one way to do it. And the thing is, those are just words to all of us, but they, you can double-click on those words, talk to a Friendly Avenue leader, and they would tell you what all of that means. So as a disciple, here's what we're expecting you to be about. Right? That's the, that's the frame. Uh, and then inside the frame is this vision proper. Okay? So, so it's the idea of what is the picture now I'm painting inside the frame? What, what does it look like inside? And so you can, you can take pictures of those when we leave here. You can see they've got mission, values, strategy, and measures. That's how they say they would want this to work for Friendly Avenue. But inside the frame is a picture. And, and that picture inside the frame, uh, you can draw it as a picture or do it as in lines. And by the way, I've given you more handout than we're going to cover. There's a page defining each of these steps for you. So that's your homework, but there won't be a grade. Isn't that good? I, so, so you got a lot to read, but if you flip over a few pages, you'll see one that says the Horizon Storyline Overview. Horizon Storyline Overview. Now up here you see a, a picture, but this picture actually has four, at least four horizons in the picture. And it, this is the way God's designed our eyes. Those of you that don't need these things that I'm wearing... Uh, and after uh, this is this is after the fall, I have to wear these. But one day, this will be completely healed. I won't need these glasses. And in my younger days, I didn't need these. And I could look, like like many of you still can, and you can look out a window and see far away. And then in a nanosecond, you can come right in and read something that's right there in front of you. And the Lord has created our eyes so that we can change the focus in just a nanosecond. In a picture, this picture, there's at least four, four horizons. There's the far away horizon, beyond the horizon, the blue sky, the stuff we're not sure what's out there, but we know something's out there. There's the, the background horizon, these mountains that are in the background, kind of if you're driving I-40, by the time you hit Hickory, you start to see the mountains kind of open up behind you there, right? You are ahead of you. You see, oh, there's something there. I didn't see that before. Now I'm starting to see. Then there's a mid-ground horizon. There's a place where this road comes to an end. And the road doesn't really end. That's just where we can see to. That's a mid-ground horizon. And then there's the sign that represents what's right up close. What's the next thing that I'm seeing? Okay? That's a picture. 
but it represents something that you can use for words. And you have the words there on the page there, um, that Horizon Storyline Overview. And so you can take that inside of the frame and move from a picture to some words. For the purposes of today, just in the little time we've got left, here, here are the words we're going to use. We're going to think about a long-range, beyond-the-horizon dream. Five to 20 years. Now you say, now Brian, that's a long range, five to 20 years. Okay. A lot of factors play into how long do you make this long range goal. Um, if you're a younger church, um, you might have enough bandwidth to think way into the future. Um, I had, I had a, uh, a friend, uh, he became a friend, a mentor, Dr. Tommy Kinchin, who was the president of Florida Baptist Theological College. When I was wrestling with this call to ministry after I was teaching band, my pastor said, well, I grew up with President Kitchen down at Florida Baptist College. Let's go talk to him. He can help you. So we went down there, and Dr. Kitchen had just become president of Florida College, Baptist Bible College down there. And he took us on a tour of the campus, which took about three minutes. Uh, but on, on the back, it's kind of like Fruitland with a little more land on the back side. Okay? So he had all this land behind what was built on the campus, and he said, Brian, one day... There's going to be a, a village back here that's going to be a heritage of Florida Baptist history. We're going to move buildings in here that make it a, a village. And there's going to be a church right here on this corner. And we're going to put little houses over here. And he talked about it like it was real. Okay, That was like 1999. Uh, I'm sorry, that was before I moved to New Orleans. That was like 1995. Well... About 2007, I got to go back to the campus. So 12 years later, I got to go back to campus there. And guess what was there on that land? What he had talked about. He had a dream of something he wanted to see. And it actually came to be. It was vivid for him. I was really like, okay, whatever you say. But there it was. There it was. I'm just being honest, brother. I'm just being honest. I was 25. What did I know? Um, but that was there. So five to 20 years horizon. We're talking today when I encourage churches, I, most established churches, I suggest they, they stick with a shorter time, time span on this big dream, you know, because a lot of churches don't have much time to waste. So what is, what is this long-term dream God's given you? What's the long-term dream God's given your church corporately? What does it look like? What do you, where do you want your church to be in five years? What do you want your church to look like in seven years? What, what is it that God's laid on your heart for the future of your church? What, what is that dream? Uh, come down a step, and this is background horizon. Three, one year, I'm sorry, uh, th four three-year milestones. What are the four things you want to hit in three years? What are the four things you believe your church ought to accomplish that would serve this bigger dream? And you build out your plan that way. Uh, that's the long-range side. And this is the short range, below the horizon. This mid-ground and 90 days. So here's how I explain this. One-year goal. So what's the most important one thing you can do in the next year to advance your dream. And you say, Brian, how do I just pick one thing? What is the one thing you need to focus on in the next year? That doesn't mean it's the only thing you do, but it means if you're looking at, y'all seen a soundboard? You know what a soundboard looks like? You're pastors, you have to run everything, right? You have to run the sound sometimes. A soundboard's got all the sliders on the board. 
for the volume controls for each channel. Uh, this doesn't mean you only do one thing, but guess which one has the most volume all the time? This is the lead all the time is this one thing. And then what are the things you're going to do in the next 90 days to achieve these goals? What are the four things you're going to do in the next 90 days? So what does that look like? Well, I'm glad we're at Friendly Avenue. Because this is Friendly Avenue's inside of the frame vision. Okay? So, here's what they said. Uh, and they did this uh, in 20, 2019 and 2020. So, in 2025, we see Friendly Avenue as one church family reaching 100 community families. <laughs> So it's a one to 100 family vision, all right? I'll leave this up here after the breakout. Y'all can come take a look at it. Daniel gave me permission to use this in here. So by, in 2025, we see, now notice there's, it's in the future, but it's stated as if it's happened. In 2025, here's what we see. We see Friendly Avenue as one church family reaching 100 community families, okay? Now, Think about what does that look like? What would your church look like? What's the size of your church right now? And what's the scope of your ministry? They have a vision that this church will have a hundred more families by 2025. How many people would that be, roughly? 300 or so. 300, 350, something like that. So it's quantifiable, but it's, it's a dream. It's one family to 100 families. We're one family, so what does that tell you about the church? What's he pursuing for the church? What's the leadership? Unity here. We're one family, but we're going to reach 100 families. Okay? Step down. So how are they going to do that? In, in, in the next three years, now that doesn't mean they'll all take three years, so you can write it as one to three years, but here are the, here are the things we've got to do in the next three years. They said family ministry outreach plan. They need to restructure Sunday morning worship. They need a community saturation through sports ministry. They've got these big ball fields over here on the side, so they've got an opportunity there. And on-campus reach events, which they could tell you what that meant. We're going to do some outreach things here to bring people. And Daniel's philosophy on that is this is a community that's scattered. They need a central location. A lot of times we're talking about scattering as in missional he's saying that this community needs a central hub for ministry and so that's what they want friendly avenue to be now notice these little initials guess what those are there for they oversee it yes those are, that's who's delegated to so pastor guess what you can't own all this by yourself you have to you have to give away you have to empower people to, to do this ministry. So that's above the frame. So this is long range. But here's the one year. In the next 12 months, 100% of our members maturing. Now this is an older one, but 100% of our members maturing. So what does that mean? Well, it's a little vague, right? How many, how many members do they want maturing? Everybody. But what does that mean? Well, maturing can mean I'm growing a little bit, I'm growing a lot. Here's how they describe it. Leveraging our Sunday school and growth groups, we see every Friendly Avenue Baptist Church member growing in biblical maturity through key disciplines, starting with these. 
daily prayer, Bible study, and the resulting application. Okay? So that meant for a year, this is where they drilled in. This was the biggest voice in every ministry. We want to see 100% of our members maturing, and we want to leverage our groups to do that. Prayer and Bible study and application. So, hey, hey, y'all, if this was a Sunday school class at Friendly Avenue, the teacher would be expected to walk in and, and hammer this every Sunday. Hey, this is what we're about here. We want to leverage this opportunity for you to grow as a, as a disciple through prayer and Bible study and applying the Word. So as we teach this morning, as we open the Bible, this is what it's about. This is what we're focused on. Okay? So it's hammered, repeated, exciting, something we can talk about. Hey, this, this all contributes to this one to 100 family vision. And then foreground. What's going to happen in the next 90 days? Now, I love the way they designed this because notice what, 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 what do you see about this, this bottom four here? What's different about this than that? You can change it. Yeah, it's a whiteboard. Because guess what happens every 90 days? Another 90 days. Another 90 days comes up, right? So this cannot be a static plan. You can't have this plan and put it in place on December 20, 27th and then pull it back out June 4th. That's not the way this, this is. This becomes a tool that you use every week in your planning meetings. And if you're, a, if you're on a staff, this is discussed in every staff meeting. So here are the four initiatives that need to take place in the next 90 days. So let me be clear. This isn't four quarters. These are four things for the next 90 days. Okay? So here are the four things that need to happen in the church for the next 90 days. These things propel this, which propels this, which propels this. Okay? So here, it's, um, it's a children's ministry renovation. It's a Love Your Neighbor initiative. It's a Sunday School Next Steps class. And it's a marriage event put on, or I'm sorry, margin on the calendar. Margin put on the calendar. So they look, and I've talked to Daniel about this. Hey, we're, you know, and this is pre-COVID stuff, by the way. So, you know, some of this is, they got more margin probably than they wanted during COVID, right? But, but this idea of, hey, we're so over-programmed, we've got to be intentional about culling cutting some of that stuff off the program, right, margin. So some are, some are ministry-specific things, some are church-wide things. But over the next 90 days, and you think, man, could you do all that in a quarter? You can if you're focused. And so here's the way, here's the way this becomes onboarded. This means that every staff meeting, and by the way, if you're a single staff pastor, this is every leadership meeting. And if you're a single staff pastor, I would encourage you to have your lay leaders meet with you at least monthly, if not weekly or frequently within the month, a couple of times a month. And it's, it's the old church council idea, but with more intentionality and empowerment to be leading, not just planning, not just calendaring. Like the... Some of you that have experienced the old-fashioned church calendar stuff like I did, you know, it's a church council that gets together and they're just fighting over the thumb wrestling over who gets calendar space. That's not this. But this is getting your leadership together and saying, okay, Brother Ken, uh, you had this idea of this next step or we assigned you this next step Sunday school class. How's that going? And in each staff meeting, 
you would do maybe a traffic light measurement. Okay, red, yellow, and green light. Uh, what 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 traffic? What what light would you give this? Red, yellow, or green light? Ken would report out. Okay, hey, it's green light. Everything's Star going. Sun. Yeah, it's great, right? Or, well, it's a it's a red light. I haven't gotten to that yet. Or it's a yellow light. Okay, why is it yellow? What's in the way? Is there something that we need to do to help you with that? Okay, every time you meet, drilling the 90-day goals, so that they get done. And, uh, sir, accountability. Accountability. And and you say, well, Brian, what if you have 10? What if I have 10 things we need to do? Well, here's the good news. Guess what happens in 90 days? Yeah, and so, so when the preacher who has bright ideas every week, I've always been the associate pastor who's, yeah. I, I describe my role on church staff as the get back coach, right? I'm the guy that's holding the pastor's belt so he doesn't run out on the field and get run over or get a penalty, right? I'm pulling. So, but when, when, when whoever comes up and says, man, we got all these going, I know, but I got one more. And it's like, that's great, Pastor. In, in, in 60 days, we can put that on for ne the next 90 days. Okay? It give, if it's still relevant. If it's still relevant, right. If it's not an idea, that's just an idea, right? But then you can, have, you can have 10 or 15 on your brainstorming list, and that becomes quarter one, quarter two, quarter three, quarter four. Say, so that's important to do. Or you may already say, hey, one of those outreach events is our fall festival. We're going to do that. Well, if you're going to do it, do it with intentionality. Build it in and make it something that's towards this bigger vision. So just real quick as application, um, question before, we, before I let you go. What if this one, one to 100 family vision is your vision? How would that change perhaps the way you would do something like a fall festival? You would target families. Target families. What else might you do a little more intentionally? Connect. Connect. How so? Say more about that. Um, so maybe, maybe there's um, avenues where you can get into the community before your event. Right. Like visiting right. apartment complexes right. or, or parks or yep. neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. um, there's things you could do during the event, intentional ways that you, that you make contact with the people while they're there and collect information. And then the key would have to be following up. There you go. Yep. Yep. Because if you don't follow up, it's just information. It's just wasted right. energy. So it doesn't just become an event on the calendar. Well, we think they had a good time. We had a lot of kids here. Man, wasn't that great? We might be very intentional to say, hey, we want you back. Or, hey, parents, we want you to come with your kids. Hey, our family is here for your family. You might change your messaging. You might change your outreach, your follow-up, to move it from just something you have on the calendar every year to something that's contributing towards... Mm -hmm a greater vision and purpose. Okay. Something I've noticed, places that do this real well, they always have another thing coming up that when they connect with you, they say, hey, if you guys are here today, you might want to know about this. There you go. Coming up. Yeah, right. that's good. VBS or we have mm -hmm. this football camp or you know, whatever. Right, excellent, excellent, yeah. So connect, making dots connecting. We have a plan like this. It's more top of mind for leaders 
to start connecting dots on their own to say, okay, oh, I see how this contributes to the next and helps change the narration. Hey, you've got more descriptions of all of this material in your handout because we couldn't cover it all in, in 55 minutes. But uh, the other handout says visionary planning retreat. That's something we offer as a state convention. Uh, myself and Terry Long on our staff are certified what they call navigators with Oxano to lead this process with your church. And so we, we can offer that in a, in a 24-hour overnight retreat setting, whether that's overnight someplace or at your church, where we start on a Friday and go through Saturday, and we can help actually build out a, a, a good 80% wet cement vision plan in, in, a, in a retreat like that. So we'd love to serve you in that way. Um, that's just one opportunity for us to connect a little more. Tons more information in the God Dreams book. Uh, you can order that on your own. God Dreams is the name of the book, and it's there in the corner of the handouts. Thanks for your time. Thanks for being here. Excellent. Go find, a, cool, go find a cooler room. Excellent. Thank you. See y'all. Brian, can I get one of those? Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. Another one of each. Yeah. There you go. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks. Yes, sir. Thanks, brother. Thank you, sir. Glad you came. There you go. All right. God bless. I think I've seen you before. Yeah, I've been. Oh yeah. Came down to the workshop. We did. Yes, sir. God bless you. Tell me your name again. Robert Coleman. Yes, brother Coleman. Thank you. God bless. See you, man. Knock it out of the park. See ya. You like some good Louisiana quick cuisine? Oh yeah. I married a Louisiana. Oh, did you? Yeah, big time LSU fan. There you go. Good for you. Yeah. So you eat. So you're eating right. Yeah, yeah, he actually is. He, he thinks it's going to be good for him. I'm very curious to follow. I'm, see, I'm a diehard Notre Dame fan. I'm disappointed. No cowboy Ah, they're just half champions from the LSU. I'll say. See, man. This is proof that the academics are hard. Yeah, yeah. And that's why it's hard. Yeah, my husband. At first, he was kind of like, yeah, but now he's he's pretty excited. I think he's going to do a good job there. Yeah. But yeah. What was your name? Yes, I'm sorry. Nancy Folk. Nancy Folk. Yeah. Yeah. Your from down that way. Yeah, he was born and raised. How did you guys